welcome to the Locked On Boston Bruins podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm your host, Ian McLaren, and this is a daily, now semi-daily during quarantine, Boston Bruins podcast where we discuss all things spoke to be as well as take a look around the NHL. Today's episode is brought to you by Built Bar. Built Bar is a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. Go to BuiltBar.com, use promo code LOCKEDON, and you'll get $10 off your first order. Now to keep up with the Locked On Boston Bruins podcast, please follow the show on Twitter at LO underscore Boston Bruins. If you subscribe to the Locked On Boston Bruins podcast on Apple, Google, Spotify, Stitcher, Pocket Casts, Every new episode will be automatically uploaded to your feed for you to download, listen, uh, enjoy, rate, and review. Be very much appreciated if you could toss up a, you know, healthy star rating up on Apple Podcasts specifically. Did I say podcasts? Obviously, I mean podcasts. Uh, excuse the screaming that you may be hearing in the background. That's my small children. Uh, fighting homeschooling, apparently. Anyways, uh, if you have any additional feedback, you can send that to LockedOnBostonBruins at gmail.com, and I'll be happy to respond to your emails there. You can find me on Twitter at ENC McLaren, and uh, yeah, always up for a good hockey chat. You can send mailbag questions there as well. On today's podcast, we're continuing our look at what-ifs in Boston Bruins history, and we are going to take a look back at 2005 and ask what if the Boston Bruins had not traded Joe Thornton. We will also answer a couple of mailbag questions and take a look at some news and notes from around the NHL. But let's jump back to 2005. If you recall that summer, the NHL was coming out of a season-long lockout that wiped out both the regular season and the Stanley Cup playoffs. Uh, our boy Joe Thornton, he had recorded 73 points in 77 games during the 2003-04 season. He suffered a fractured right cheekbone in a fight with uh, Eric Lindros in January of that year. And then uh, he also later suffered a rib injury that kept him from recording a point in a seven-game uh, series loss to Montreal in the 2004 playoffs, which he received a lot of heat for and kind of uh, put a wrench in his relationship with management and the city of Boston. Now, coming out of the lockout, Joe Thornton was a restricted free agent in the summer of 2005. Uh, negotiations did not go particularly well, uh, of course, based on uh, the fact his production had gone down a bit the previous regular season. Uh, he was reportedly unhappy with the state of the Bruins franchise, upset with criticism of his play in the Bruins playoff exit in 2004. Under heavy scrutiny as team captain for his leadership, was often criticized for not raising his level of play, particularly during the playoffs. Uh, having said that, he did end up re-signing with the Bruins on August 11th, 2005 signing a three-year contract worth 20 million dollars that's actually pretty significant contract back in the day that's uh, equivalent cap hit to what david pasternak is making with the bruins right now 
So you think 15 years ago, uh, for him to sign that deal uh, was pretty big and seemed like a pretty healthy commitment on uh, the part of the Bruins, at least financially, if not, you know, uh, in terms of length of the contract. That was two days before I got married. As a, as a personal side note, I remember I talked about this with my dad when he was on the podcast uh, a few episodes ago. We were driving in to go to a Blue Jays game for my bachelor party, uh, which was followed up with uh, a meal at Wayne Gretzky's restaurant, which is just down the street from where the Blue Jays play. And I heard that he had re-signed uh, on the radio on the Fan 590 up here during like a 2020 sports update. And I was just super pumped that they had been able to re-sign him. Thornton began the 2005-2006 season pretty strongly. He recorded 33 points in 24 games for the Bruins. And he was the team's leading scorer by a substantial margin. Uh, The Bruins were struggling in the standings. However, they had kind of, you know, gone all in in 2004, coming out of the lockout. Not the strongest club, despite the fact that they were led by Joe Thornton. So on November 30th, the day before my birthday... Uh, Joe Thornton was traded to San Jose in a four-player deal with Marco Sturm, Wayne Primo, and defenseman Brad Stewart coming back to the Bruins. This trade was basically an instant head-scratcher. It was also the impetus for me to get into hockey writing as I immediately jumped on, I think, Blogspot at the time and and wrote something about this. Uh, Just extremely unhappy with the trade and could not understand why. They would have dealt him so soon after re-signing him and also for such a poor return. A couple weeks ago, I talked about how Brian Burke said the Ducks had made a better offer, but that's a discussion for a different day. Right now, we're asking, what if this trade had not taken place? Well, as much as I hated it at the time, I think Boston Bruins history over the last 15 years would be quite a bit different and looking back it might have been a good thing for the Bruins in retrospect with hindsight being fully 2020. If we look at what happened after Thornton was traded the Bruins finished uh, pretty low in the standings that year and ended up uh, with the fifth overall pick in the 2006 draft which they used to select Phil Kessel. Later on in that draft they also selected Milan Lucic In the second round, 50th overall, and Brad Marchand in the third round, 71st overall. So you have to think, if Thornton is not traded, perhaps the Bruins, you know, earn 2, 4, 6, 10, however many extra points in the standings, just based on his presence alone. Therefore, their draft ranking or draft order would be drastically different, and you can probably, you know, wipe that 2006 draft slate clean and think that other players will have been taken instead. Whenever you look at what-if scenarios, you can't assume that um, there is no ripple effect and that, say, draft picks and output and standings all remain the same. It's a butterfly effect, right? Uh, Thornton's traded, there's a ripple effect, and it changes where they finish in the standings, who they're able to draft, 
uh, deals that they're able to make. If we remember as well, the 2006 draft, the Bruins traded Andrew Raycroft for Tuka Rask. If Joe Thornton's still with the Bruins, maybe they hold on to Raycroft because of the relationship they have there, because they don't want to start over per se, rebuild, uh, what have you. Then a week after the draft, as we all remember, the Bruins signed two of the top free agents on the market, uh, signing Zdeno Chara and Mark Savard. Chara got a five-year deal worth $37.5 million. Savard signed a four-year deal worth $20 million. You have to think that if Thornton is still in the mix, making $6.66 million, uh, one or both of those signings is not possible. Interim general manager Jeff Gordon, who I think deserves a lot of credit for turning this team around after that trade. Mike O'Connell was fired. He was stepping in between O'Connell and Chiarelli jumping on. Uh, Gordon said, we were really aggressive out of the gate. It made it much easier to sign Savard and Chara after Chara signed with us. He could see how serious we were about winning. So the Bruins wasted little time in, uh, you know, kind of reshaping the culture after the Joe Thornton trade. If that happens, you know, it's unlikely that they sign uh, Zdeno Chara. And if Chara's not signed, then as we saw here, Savard would have been unlikely to follow. So all that to say, as much as I hated the Joe Thornton trade at the time, uh, it set the table for significant changes moving forward. The return was terrible. It helped the Bruins tank that season, get the fifth overall pick, Phil Kessel, was later flipped for uh, Dougie Hamilton and Tyler Sagan, who were later traded for you know pieces that are on the roster today. That trade tree extends pretty far. Um, Marshan and Lucic were drafted later on in 2006. Tuka Rask was traded for. Chara and Savard were signed. So it really set the table for the success that they've had kind of uh, through... 2008, 2009, into uh, today, really. Uh, I would have loved to have seen a Bruins team that was built around uh, Joe Thornton and Patrice Bergeron. What a one-two center combination that would have been, just all-time, all-world. But again, that didn't come to fruition. And not to say the Bruins would not have had success with Joe Thornton in the mix, but certainly in hindsight, that trade allowed the Bruins uh, to get rid of Michael Connell, which was pretty essential. And uh, Jeff Gordon stepped in, made some key moves in the interim. And then, uh, you know, Peter Shirelli came in as much as he has been uh, criticized for some trades that he has made. He did win a Stanley Cup for the Bruins in 2011, which we can't um, discount by any means. So, Yeah, what if Joe Thornton wasn't traded? Boston Bruins' recent history would have been much, much different. Let's talk a minute now about Built Bar. I received my first box of Built Bars a couple weeks ago, and I've been very much enjoying these tasty and healthy bars. Each one has the taste of a candy bar. They come in 16 amazing flavors, 8 chocolate nut flavors, 8 chocolate nut-free flavors. They're covered in 100% chocolate, soft, easy to chew, and quite delicious. They're also very healthy for you. Uh, You can lose or maintain weight while indulging in a delicious treat. They're low-calorie, low-sugar, high-protein, 
high fiber. If you go to builtbar.com and use promo code locked on, you'll get $10 off your first order of these delicious, healthy protein bars. Again, that's use promo code locked on, $10 off your first box at builtbar.com. Again, you won't regret it. Very tasty, very good for you, and uh, pretty much a win win. So go to builtbar.com right now. Let's jump in now to a couple of mailbag questions. The first comes from Cornelius Hardenberg at what's his handle? HBA Adventure. HB Adventure, not HBA Adventure. He asks, was it for one? And it sure was. Seven years ago today, May 13th, 2013, the Bruins uh, erased a 4-1 lead held by the Toronto Maple Leafs late in Game 7 of the first round of the 2013 Stanley Cup playoffs. This is uh, something I talked about, when was it, last week? Uh, looking at some great moments in Boston Bruins history. So go back and listen to that podcast where I broke down how it all came to be. Uh, But yes, seven years ago today, it was for one something uh, Bruins fans, all all hockey fans really won't soon forget. Um, And, you know, despite the fact the Bruins weren't able to crack the champagne on a Stanley Cup win that year, uh, certainly that game. And that comeback will go down in history as one of the greatest single-game comebacks in NHL history. Another question comes in from the Army Bear at JWIRB. Uh, The other day, after the AHL season was canceled, I noted that it could be the end of Jack Stanika's AHL career as well. Uh, The 21-year-old rookie uh, recorded... What was it? 23 goals, 26 assists for 49 points in 60 games this season in the AHL, ranking third in rookie scoring behind a couple of Senators prospects. And, you know, I think it's very real possibility that he could push for a roster spot beginning next season, whenever that begins. Hey, maybe even for the 2020 Stanley Cup playoffs, if those ever uh, begin. Now, Army Bears question was, what do lines look like if he's in the lineup? That's a great question and made a bit difficult because Sanika, of course, is a center. Uh, that's his natural position. And the Bruins are pretty well set down the middle at the moment with Patrice Bergeron, David Krejci, Charlie Coyle, and Sean Corrali. Now, one possibility would be moving Corrali to the third line on the left side with Charlie Coyle and, say, um, Nick Ritchie or Anders Bjork. Um, Obviously, at the moment, it looks as though the top two lines are pretty well set with the perfection line, Marshan Bergeron. Pasternak, second line, um, I believe in the best lineup would be DeBrusque, Krejci, and um, Andre Kasha on the right side. So that leaves... A bunch of players uh, duking it out for playing time in the bottom six. Charlie Coyle not going anywhere as the third line center for the time being. Uh, as long as David Krejci is around, he'll he'll likely uh, lock down that spot. You'd have to expect Nick Ritchie would be on uh, that line as well. Um, so I wouldn't be opposed to trying Stanika on the right side with Coyle and Ritchie to give 
uh, some extra speed to that lineup or to that line combination. And then on the fourth line, you'd have, you know, Corrali, Nordstrom, Wagner. That would leave Andres Bjork on the sidelines. Uh, that would leave Par Lindholm on the sidelines. Um, if you want to maybe bump Wagner out of the lineup and have Nordstrom, Corrali, and uh, Bjork, or like I said, move Corrali up to the left side, has Danica play fourth line center along with Wagner, Nordstrom, Wagner, Lindholm. Um, or maybe you take Wagner out of the lineup and have a Corrali Stanika combination on the fourth line as well to kind of uh, shift that around if if need be. So I think there are some spots that he could fit in. If you want to play him at center, you could put him on the fourth line, move Corrali around a bit, or if you want him in a more prominent role, I think you could put him on the third line uh, alongside Coyle and Richie per se. Uh, I think that could be an effective uh, trio as well. It all depends on you know, if they want to pop him into the lineup right away, if um, Anders Bjork, who had been healthy scratched prior to the break, finds his way back into the lineup. Uh, but I think if you want your best possible lineup, I would find a way to put Stanika in there. I think he's better than, um, I mean, his ceiling is much higher than some of the guys they have in the lineup on a regular basis. Uh Guys like, yeah, Wagner, Nordstrom, Lindholm, uh, perhaps even, yeah, probably even Anders Bjork, I would say. Um, so definitely something worth exploring in my mind. Let's finish now with some news and notes from around the NHL. And it appears as though Commissioner Gary Bettman has no plans to cancel the 2019-2020 NHL Stanley Cup playoffs, and even the regular season, it seems. Uh, speaking at a virtual town hall hosted by San Jose Sharks for uh, their business alliance, Bettman said he wasn't contemplating canceling the season. He said, quote, I believe that if the right time comes and the right circumstances, based on all the options that we're considering and our ability to execute them, we'll get the season done. There seems to be a lot of ifs in that statement, but he seems pretty confident that games will be played again in the not-too-distant future. Bettman even went so far as to say canceling the season outright is not something he's even contemplating. Um, the league, of course, has been on pause for over two months now, dating back to March 12th due to the coronavirus pandemic. Players and staff remain in self-quarantine, but the league hopes to initiate Phase two of its return plan by late May, which means allowing players to begin training and working out uh, with a view to yeah, resuming play at some point uh, soon. So whether that means finishing off the regular season to uh, honor existing TV deals, which I think is pretty dumb, or jumping to a 16-team playoff, based on point percentage, final standings, or having an increased playoff format with 24 teams. Uh, we'll see how it plays out, but it certainly looks like the NHL is planning to resume play at some point. There will have to be many, many health considerations, uh, testing, full face masks. There's talk of you know limiting players from spitting, all this kind of stuff. 
But, um, yeah, the NHL certainly seems optimistic about it, even though uh, there are many questions in the air about the logistics of such a venture. Now, Zdeno Chara was part of a town hall Q&A, and he was asked, how long do you think you'd have to train on the ice to get ready for games? He said, we're so used to skating, even in the summer months. For myself, I start skating somewhat in mid-July through August, three times, sometimes four times a week, and then pretty much every day or every other day in early September. Once training camp starts, we're on the ice every day. So I don't know how long it's going to take if we get into it pretty frequently every day. My guess is that it has to be at least three, four weeks until we can actually start feeling comfortable and going back to the routines and feeling like we are picking up the pace and feeling like we are connected on the ice again. So that's quite a long time if you consider that, uh, you know, it's already been a couple months. If you think if the NHL is going to come back, players need three to four weeks to get back up to speed. Um, We're looking at, you know, July when things might be able to start. He asks, uh, sorry, Charles was also asked when and if the season resumes, would you prefer regular season games first or head right into the playoffs? He said, I think that the league and the PA are trying to work it out. I think they almost talk daily uh, what the best options are uh, for the teams who are pretty secure in playoff positions, like the Bruins, obviously, who are the only team with 100 points, but also for the teams that were on the edge of making the playoffs. Whether we are going to play regular season games or we're going to jump right into some sort of playoff format, it's still unknown. I just prefer to play hockey, to be honest with you. Whether it's jumping into the playoffs or playing some sort of games to get ready for the playoffs, you've just got to go with the flow. Uh, He also obviously anticipates playing in front of empty arenas. Uh, He said it will bring back memories from years when we played as kids. Didn't really have any fans in the stands. Uh, You know, that didn't start really until he came over to play in the Western Hockey League. Back home, they didn't have many fans at all, so it's going to be different, he said but uh, it's the only way that we can continue playing at this point. And finally, he added that the guys have started communicating a bit more lately. He said after the postponement was announced, everybody was in unknown waters, listening to the news, waiting around to see what was going to happen. Would we be able to stay in Boston? Could we leave? After four or five weeks, Chara realized they hadn't really talked that much, so they had a few exchanges through text as a group. But nothing from that point. The last two or three weeks, though, they've been doing regular Zoom calls, trying to see each other, talk to each other, stay connected, and keep ourselves updated. And it's been a lot of fun. So it's nice to see that uh, some players have been remaining in contact. And, um, you know, we know here on this podcast that some of them have been connecting with team chaplain Dave Ripper as well. If you missed that episode, I recommend going back. That was one of my favorites for sure. So that's it for today's episode of the Locked On Boston Bruins podcast, where we asked what if Joe Thornton had been traded, and it's quite possible that we wouldn't have Zdeno Chara in the mix. Uh, I don't know about you, but that's a trade-off I might be willing to accept in hindsight. Um, yeah, I hope you're all keeping well, staying safe, healthy, and you know mentally okay during this time of you know ongoing self-isolation, quarantine, whatever you want to call it. Uh, Things are going okay over here now that the weather is starting to get a bit warmer. Looking forward to 
spending evenings on the deck uh, with an adult beverage in hand, but watching Dead to Me on Netflix, New Girl, so rolling through that, Last Dance, of course, and um, I think I might start watching Dark on Netflix once again in anticipation of season three. One of my favorite Netflix shows, period, one of, one of my favorite shows, period, and recently voted by the fans as the best show on Netflix. So if you haven't checked that out, I highly recommend it. Um, again, go check out BuiltBar.com and check out the Locked On NHL podcast as well. Always some good stuff going on over there. Thanks so much for taking the time to listen, friends, and we'll be back on Friday with another episode of the Locked On Boston Bruins podcast. Take care and talk to you later.